Hey, who made you a disc jockey? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. It's episode 151. We're going to talk about Wonder Woman today. We are. Which uh, means I think this sound effect is going to get a workout. I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. <laughs> Mostly because of the reaction. That... Aw, Rob, did you feel insecure after watching Wonder Woman go over the wall? <laughs> I personally, uh, I should not be allowed to defend anything short of these beers, which I will defend <laughs> with, with my claws. And <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll if I could find a lasso, I would whip somebody with it, or at least f- wave it, flail it in some form of limp-wristed motion. Pee on yourself. That would. Uh, that's <laughs> probably about the extent of my self-defense. Shrieking, not the face, and just peeing defensively all over myself. <laughs> But yeah, we will talk about Wonder Woman, uh, which, uh, spoilers, uh, finally a good DC Films movie. Yes, finally. Uh, An unabashedly good one. I've defended a lot of them. I continue to defend a lot of them, uh, despite people yelling in my face about murder Batman Mm. and uh, murder Superman. Mm. But Wonder Woman is actually legitimately good. She didn't murder anybody. Uh, She murdered a lot of people, actually. She did several murders, like a legitimate stab-in-the-chest murder. Oh, spoilers. I was drinking. (laughs) Yeah, we went to one of those good theaters where they'll bring you booze to your seat. It was awesome. Yeah, right outside uh, where the Patriots play. Now they've got nine ounce <laughs> pours, so I had three of them. Yeah, Amanda drank. <laughs> Amanda drank a bottle of wine and watched Wonder Woman, and it's an interesting experience being the sober one. <laughs> While Amanda slowly drinks a bottle of wine through the movie, uh, you get uh, interesting commentary, such as, I want to play this video game, like during the climax, like, yeah, so do I, okay. (laughs) Watch the movie. But before we talk about Wonder Woman in uh, any kind of depth, uh, I was shocked by this. Uh, A buddy of mine, uh, Ken, uh, texted me out of the blue. I hadn't talked to him for a month or so. About a week ago, he texted me. He's like, hey, have you seen M. Night Shyamalan split? And when it comes to M. Night Shyamalan... (laughs) I'm generally not a fan. Yeah. I have, you know, The Sixth Sense is a clever little thriller, although most of that, and I think I've talked about it on the show before, mm-hmm. since I knew there was a twist, I thought I had it figured out halfway through. And the minute I knew there was a twist and I thought I had it figured out, I'm like, okay, you can stop the movie now. Just Let's tell me if I'm right or get not. Get to the end so I can find out if I'm right. Yeah. And that's the problem with most of Shyamalan's movies. I will stand by and defend Unbreakable is still one of my favorite superhero movies. And I've said before on this show that seeing that movie treating superheroes in a lot of ways like nothing else has, like it was legitimately real. Like, okay, how do you really know if you're indestructible or not? (laughs) How do you know if you have super strength or not? And even if you find out you have these powers and want to do something with it, nobody has taught you how to fight. There is no stick or League of Assassins to train you in Philadelphia. Without... uh, without Unbreakable, you don't have Claire Bennett tossing herself off a bridge and finding like the nerdy kid to film it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was a movie that came sort of from out of nowhere and it was marketed as yet another twist Shyamalan story. Yeah. But I had read on sites like Ain't It Cool News that it was a superhero story and this was in 2000. And at, at that point, I was just reading Vertigo books. Yeah. I had tuned out of, after the image age of comics, uh, Long May It Burn, in the <laughs> 1990s. Uh, so yeah, I went and I saw the movie like three times in a week in the theater and that's what made me me say, all right, I'm going to go back to New England Comics in Brockton, take my life in my hands walking into Brockton, Mass., Google Brockton Mass and see what it's like, <laughs> and uh, yeah, buy some books, and that's what got me back into superhero comics. So it is still one of my favorite superhero comic movies, even though there have been 
handfuls and scores of really good ones since then. But otherwise, I mean, Shyamalan really, it's one of those cases, and I've, I've seen it all over the place. People start to believe their own bullshit. Yeah. Like, all right, Unbreakable did pretty well, and then Signs, Signs doesn't really hold up, but all right, that made some money, and then he decided, oh, I'm a modern myth maker. The Village, or and, whatever the hell that was. Yeah, The Village kind of blew, and... That other thing that had Bryce Dallas Howard in it. Yeah, Lady in the Water, Yeah, where it was, it was completely a movie. This is anecdotal, I haven't even seen it, but he cast himself as a pure storyteller uh, who was beaten down by critics, and... <laughs> The power of his storytelling made Bryce Dallas Howard come to life somehow. It, it was leave your own hype much, dude. From from everything <laughs> I heard, it, it, it's a gentleman with a big self satisfied grin wanking himself off in front of a camera for two to two and a half hours. And then there was a uh, what the hell was the one with uh, with Marky Mark Wahlberg where the plants oh, are when trying everybody's to kill him. Just- jumping off of buildings randomly. I, I forget. I think I fell asleep in that one. I don't think that movie had a script. I think he just filmed... The Happening. Yeah, The Happening. I think they just filmed people going, oh, God, look at this movie we're in, just jumping off of roofs. Yeah, oh, God, we're in an M. Night Shyamalan film. <laughs> abort, yeah. abort! Yeah, and then he started doing shit for hire. Uh, yeah. Avatar, The Last Airbender, that uh, apparently even the hardcore... I'm not a big anime yeah. fan, so I'm not familiar with the source material, but apparently it fills uh, fans with, I guess the uh, most accurate word would be rage. Just rage and hatred <laughs> a lot of rage. and anger. Uh, they, they've crystal skulled it. They said, there is no Avatar movie. <laughs> Godfather 3'd it. <laughs> and then that horrible fucking, uh, this I've seen pieces of on cable and turned it off. The the one with uh, Will Smith and his pseudo-intellectual uh, I'm 14 and I'm deep son Oh, after Earth. After Earth, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, freaking horrible. So it's safe to say I'm not an M Night Shyamalan fan. But we did see the visit. The visit did was. Did we see that on cable, or did we rent it? Or... We saw it on cable. Okay. We don't rent. We have BitTorrent. Come on, <laughs> let's not be coy here. No, please put that out on the internet. <laughs> uh, we we also have a reasonable proxy and VPN services. Okay. So, and, but no, we uh. We did get that one on cable, and it was not a bad little horror movie. That was sort of the beginning of the M. Night Shyamalan renaissance, because he sort of went back to low-budget horror. Yeah. That was another one with a twist that I figured out two-thirds of the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but luckily, unlike Sixth Sense that I saw in the theater, uh, and I didn't see that in a theater where you could get nine-ounce pours, I was uh, I was drunk for... You, you had medicated yourself so that you could manage your expectations accordingly. Exactly. I couldn't really get up <laughs> off the couch to fast-forward... <laughs> The, the TiVo to the end. So yeah, my buddy Ken out of the blue texts me last week. He's like, have you seen Split? Which is the latest Shyamalan movie from six months ago or so. Mm. And I, it was another one where it was, oh, low budget horror. And I'd heard some good things. And one or two people I work with had spoken highly of it. But that's literally all I knew about it. And I figured I'll get to it at some point. Yeah. I said, no, but why don't you come over on Friday and we'll watch it. And uh, yes, I rented it. <laughs> um, spoilers. Nobody told me it was a quasi-sequel to fucking Unbreakable. I had no fucking idea. <laughs> I, di- I didn't either. I, it was one of those ones that I wanted to see. I like James McAvoy, and it looked interesting. Yeah, it's... I mean, it, it looked like low-budget grindhouse horror, you know? Yeah. Some dude with the movie version of multiple personality disorders clearly taking from those stories over the last couple of years of you know people who've uh, been kidnapped and kept in basements for 15 years. Yep. You know, so ripped from the headlines, law and order type shit. And not realizing that 
there was a tie to Unbreakable on it. I watched it. I thought, all right, this is not bad. The pacing was a little eh. Yeah. And I kept drinking the whole way through it because I'm Rob. That's what I do. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I fell asleep in the last 15 minutes. Yeah. As you're falling asleep, if you've seen the movie, <laughs> good on you. If you haven't, it's been out for six months. Fuck it. We're spoiling it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can rent it. There's a good copy available at Blockbuster. <laughs> In any event, um, as you were beginning to fall asleep, and it, it turns out that apparently uh, the the girls, the final, the girl that I had identified at the beginning of the movie as the final girl was in fact the final girl. And yeah, she was telegraphed right from the beginning. Oh, the one who's kind of an oddball and yeah. doesn't quite fit in. Yeah, of they, course that's going to be the one. They just should have put her in a, in a t-shirt that said final girl. But I watched the movie. I couldn't tell you her name at gunpoint. No. Interchangeable. Yeah. And so when they find her at the end, it turns out that, yes, they've been kidnapped and, and kept underneath the city zoo, which there are clear signs of over the whole course of the movie after you realize that. Yes. And she'd been brought up, the, the daughter of a hunter, and had gone through her own traumas, which is what it turned out saved her from the big bad at the end. Right. Not in the way you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> So no. there's your little twist. Sh- Shyamalan had to get his little twist in. But as the movie's going along, you get the reveal that every personality that McAvoy has gives him different strengths and weaknesses. And skill sets. Uh, and, yeah, to yeah. the point where you know, there's supposedly, oh, there's cases in multiple personalities where one of the personalities will have diabetes yeah. and the others won't. And so, yeah, you have one who was incredibly strong and one who was smart and clever. So the, like these, some people have Swiss army knives. He has a Swiss army mind. Like it's just, <laughs> thing just sort of slips out when it, he needs it. Yeah, don't write that down. That's not a good title. I'm not going to, I'm but just, so, but it's all right. So it's a standard. All right. Supernatural ish. M night Shyamalan. All right, fine. Certain personalities have super strength, whatever. So it turns out his final reveal of a personality is one that is somewhat mutant. Like it, it can move at high speeds. It's got a super strong skin. It can crawl up walls. All right. It also likes to eat other humans. Well, who doesn't? Because <laughs> it needs to keep its strength up. Of course. So the liver of teenage girls apparently is a, a good protein source. So I would be kryptonite. Because <laughs> anything that tried to eat my liver now has a half-life. <laughs> But have my cirrhosis. Just take it. <laughs> no, this is red cirrhosis. <laughs> now I act sane. Um, so as they then cut away to after the girl is saved, they cut away to uh the villain who is now calling himself the horde because personalities. Of course. Is having his his uh victorious villain rant slash monologue into a mirror, and I'm like, huh. All right, so there's no other sort of like twist or reveal that would actually explain this beyond what we're seeing. So we have a superpowered villain. This seems remarkably as though, hey, is that the music from Unbreakable? This seems remarkably as though we're doing some world building and perhaps some some universe expanding, and you're you're falling asleep. You're not paying attention at all. And Ken is sitting in in your recliner, just <laughs> like, the fucking like cat who ate the bird <laughs> grin on his face. And then they do a long shot into a diner where there's 
a television talking about the villain who calls himself the Horde. And seated at the diner, you can hear these little girls sort of chirping at each other. Oh, that's just like 15 years ago where they had that other guy with the weird name. What was that? And then you hear the unmistakable voice of Bruce Willis saying, Mr. Glass. Yes. Cut to David Dunn. <laughs> at this point, I've got my friend Ken and Amanda shaking each fucking shoulder. Wake the fuck up, you retard. Get up. I'm like, what? What? And uh, we're going to back it up. We're going to back it. Fine, back it up, whatever. And I'm still half asleep. And it gets to the point, Amanda said, where he's talking into the window. And I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. I guess I got the same composer. This sounds like the music to Unbreakable. And I fall back asleep. <laughs> so they shake me again. But it's when I finally got to the ending, I'm bolt upright and excited and hammered. So I'm immediately on my smartphone on Amazon ordering a legit non-rented copy of Split because I'm like, I want to support this because I want more Unbreakable. I've said for years I have an Unbreakable sequel in my head. You were sitting so far forward staring at the TV. You were like a four-year-old looking for Santa to come down the chimney at like midnight. It was just... Yeah, and it's, it changed the entire feel of the movie because up until that point, it was uh, this is just sort of a, all right, it's a dumbass horror flick with this sort of unrealistic thing but yeah now that i have it on blu-ray now i have to watch it again through the eyes of this is a super villain origin story and see how that affects it because i thought it was okay but i didn't think it was any better than okay until i realized oh this is finally giving me the movie that i've wanted for years <laughs> and, and at some point i'm like yeah it's the movie i wanted for years but i wanted it from the director of unbreakable not necessarily the director of lady in the water so sometimes be careful what you wish for so now i'm afraid to watch it again although i'm totally gonna watch it this week and, and try to look at it in that in those eyes but i was so fucking excited I, I might have been more excited than you because i believe my words while you were sort of finally taking it in like no and fuck your twin peaks sequel fuck it <laughs> this this no, the, the twin peaks sequel is still uh, the, we're, we're taping on uh, sunday afternoon and we're <laughs> as soon as we're done we're turning straight to showtime I'm still digging that a lot. I know, I know. I recognize a lot of it. I, I see all I, the arguments. I may go people watch have. Anthony Bourdain's show. We'll see. That's fine. <laughs> it's a, a you made the arguments when we did the episode about it last week. Yep, it's somewhat slow paced, and the use of music is different. And I get it, but I was. It's the same feeling I have for Split. It's I was so in the tank for the original. Okay, I'm fully on board. Show me what's there, and if it winds up disappointing, all right, that's on me. But it'll keep my attention. Yeah. It's, it's all right. Look, eventually there's going to be something on that I need to see all of all of the time. I don't know. Finally, a Dazzler movie. Something. There and- will <laughs> never be a Dazzler movie. We'll wrench a Xanadu. That's as close oh, as you're Jesus. getting. Then the Roller Boogie or something with the guy from the American Werewolf in London. We'll find that. Oh, moving up or making it. There's a bunch of movies. <laughs> and you could just pretend somebody has superpowers. <laughs> Pretend the, disc- the same. pretend the disco ball is the magic light of Allison whatever, the Dazzler. Shyamalan, somebody, get on the Dazzler movie. <laughs> no, dude, because uh, I have heard he's working on the script to the Honest to God sequel, sequel that intersects yeah. both Unbreakable and this. It's, That'll be good. Yeah, it's going to be called Glass. Yes. So for the first time, and probably for the first time ever, because I wasn't really looking forward to Unbreakable, because when it was coming out, I didn't know it was a superhero movie. Yeah. So yeah, for the first time, I'm looking forward to an M. Night Shyamalan movie. And that's actually kind of cool, because I, I like the idea of McAvoy and Samuel Jackson in a movie together. Weren't they already in one of some, like Wanted or something? Was Jackson in Wanted? I'm just like confusing no, that all was, of the Millerverse stuff Morgan now. that was Morgan Freeman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> confusing all of the Millerverse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't bring up Millerverse. <laughs> I got a couple notes in here about uh, Mark Millar <laughs> as we move into 
There was a new secret empire. It's like a sore tooth. I can't keep. Uh, I can't keep poking at <laughs> poking it. Poking at it. Poking at it. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. So yeah, it's, I can't believe after six months, the movie apparently did well. It can't be that nobody I know saw it or uh, saw fit even to Trebuchet tell me. saw it and didn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, Trebuchet, you piece of shit. <laughs> How could you leave me hanging like that? I could have gone my whole life. But then I got out of seeing the ads for glass. <laughs> I probably would have been dumb enough. It can't possibly be unbreakable. I, I live my life that stupid sometimes. I, I stand by there's something to be said for going unspoiled as far as movies are concerned. The reaction that you had was exactly the one that somebody would have wanted for a giant fan of Unbreakable. Yeah. It's, had I been in a theater, I'd have irritated the shit out of people. So yeah, it's normally I don't care about spoilers. I've said it a million times. If you grew up in the age of the Scholastic Book Club, you were spoiled on every goddamn movie worth seeing because mm-hmm. you got the novelization six months before it came out. Yeah, but yeah, that's when I finally was able to stay awake for the reveal. <laughs> and it's even the, yeah, even the music cue of Shyamalan has such a terrible reputation to this point. The music cue, I thought oh, he's just ripping himself off. I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> So yeah, I'm hoping watching another second one that it, it somehow improves it for me, knowing it's a supervillain story. It, see, I was spoiled on Unbreakable. I, I would not have gone to it had I not known it was a superhero movie because mm. they really marketed that as just yet another suspense thriller. Well, the thing is, it, I will I will give kudos to the various critics out there that re- reviewed the movie because I did read some of the reviews, and even the one in Rolling Stone where they kind of spoil that no, it's not a twist. The, the bad guy actually does seem to have superpowers. They don't mention the Bruce Willis reveal at the end because that would have been that would have been it. <laughs> yeah, it's well. Then again, I looked at the I'm I'm active on Letterboxd.com, mm. which is sort of a diary or movies, and you can do reviews. And no, I'm not going to say what my ID is. It's like Goodreads for for yeah, movies. Goodreads for movies. And I, yeah, I'm not giving up my ID because yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I need to keep a certain private life. Damn it! Plus, I watch <laughs> a lot of crap. And I, yeah, I got a reputation I got to think about. But but yeah, it's... A, On the internet, you have a reputation you have to think about. Oh, you heard. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I went and looked at reviews yesterday morning, and uh, yeah, it uh, spoils it all over the place. And more people were... It's weird. More people were pissed off about it. Really? Shyamalan had... Well, Shyamalan, if you're not a comic book fan, and I guess if you're not even a comic book fan who is in my particular situation who needed something at that particular year 2000 moment in time Mm. to remind him there are good superhero stories and you really love these kind of stories and maybe you want to go seek them out again. Yeah. They're probably not going to have the same reaction to Unbreakable that that I did. Okay. Now, even when it was new and big and I would tell my other geek friends, it's like, I think it's the best superhero movie ever made. Now, this was before Spider-Man and before, they'd laugh in my face. Mm. No, I still maintain it's one of the best ones uh, because yeah, just the attention to detail on it. It's if you had superpowers in the real world that weren't you know super speed or shit like that, like Superman. How the fuck would you know? Yeah, who, who tries to lift a car? <laughs> you know, who sits in a train crash to see if they'll be okay or not? Nobody. <laughs> who tries to lift fifteen hundred? But nobody does that. So no, at least and, not sober. And yeah, if you decided to be a superhero, how would you start? There's no one to go to to tell you what to do. The big fight scene in Unbreakable is he's hanging on this bigger guy, choking him out from behind for dear life. The only reason he's not killed is the guy bashes him into walls and shit is because he's indestructible, but that's all he knows how to do. It's like, I'm going to hang on until he falls down and 
God, I hope he falls down. Yeah, it's kind of like kind of like the Dread Pirate Rob, Robert taking out uh, Andre the Giant and Princess Bride. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's I still maintain it's a really smart superhero story. But yeah, that I maintain that because it was exactly the superhero story I needed to bring me back into the fold at that time. Now, for a lot of people, it's just, you know, uh, you tried to trick us into a superhero story. Well, you didn't even do that. The opening crawl on that thing is the average comic collector has this many comics. It tells you right up front it's about comic books, for Christ's sake. Right. So, yeah, I was excited about it. And, yeah, uh, we'll we'll be watching Split again I, this I can week. feel like we need to do a movie night this week that's unbreakable, immediately followed by Split, so you can bring yourself back up to speed on the minutia from Unbreakable, and then see if there are any other hints as you watch Split. It, it has been about a year and a half or two years. I think I've watched it since we've been in the new home office, so ah, I'm I relatively up to speed. <laughs> and I did it one night where uh, some Friday... Where was I? <laughs> some Friday and Saturday nights, it's a race between me and Amanda to see who can stay awake long enough to take control of the TV. <laughs> and I won that night. Like many American households. <laughs> <laughs> no, like no American households. Not since 1958, for Christ's sake. <laughs> But yeah, we can totally do that. But tonight's Twin Peaks, I've decided. That's okay. We have three televisions. Yes. And it's, <laughs> so yeah, I wound up accidentally seeing two superhero movies this weekend. Uh, I fully intended to just see the one. Mm. So yeah, uh, let's move into Wonder Woman. Here yeah. is a movie that gave me a deep and absolutely satisfying, happy, warm, fuzzy in my tummy. <laughs> it was, there's no other way to put it. It was just, good. It, had pro, it had problems. It was mm. not a perfect superhero movie. No. But it was really the first DC Films movie that I don't feel like I have to defend. Yeah. Well, I think, a, I think over $100 million on opening weekend. I think it's up over $200 yeah. <laughs> I, I saw before we started, okay. the, started recording. I'm behind on so, my Twitter feed by about nine hours. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's up over $200 million worldwide. And yeah, it's at like 96% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the non-fresh uh, coming from uh, certain uh, American news medias who see Wonder Woman and say, I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. Fox News seems to have gone out of their way to just find excuses to be outraged about things. I know both sides like fling it at each other, but seriously, people, seriously. Well, well, let's <laughs> let's get to that after we talk about the actual movie, because I do have some some notes on it. And I, okay. I looked some stuff up and uh, and I talked to my my father. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, who uh, watches, if he could find a way to watch Fox News uh, while sleeping, he'd, he'd find a way to do it. Oh, God. Uh, I, I love my dad. We don't agree on everything. Uh, so there aren't any DC films I dislike. Hmm. This is clearly the best one. I, I will defend and have defended Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad as flawed films with things to like. Hmm. This was just good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, and it's it's weird. I remember the sort of outroar or, or uproar that happened when outrage uproar. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> English. Me no good. Mm. Me, <laughs> me, I'm podcast host. Me talk good. <laughs> but when, uh, and I'm sure I'm butchering her name. I always I always pronounce it Gal Gadot. Did, did, have you heard anything to say that's wrong? Uh, no, that's that's how it's that's how it's spelled in English. What kind of parents would name their kid that? American English, anyway, but. Uh, I, I didn't know her from a hole in the wall before she was cast as Batman versus uh, as Wonder Woman and Batman versus Superman, because the only other thing she'd done is Fast and Furious, and I don't watch those because I am from Generation X, <laughs> and I grew up with the Dukes of Hazard and Burt Reynolds flicks. I don't have any fascination for Vin Diesel and his CGI car flipping through the air. It's got no use for me. 
You have a relatively cool car, therefore you do not need car porn, which is really what those movies are. Exactly. But yeah, she was a, it was, oh, she's a fashion model. She's not even American. And she was goddamn perfect as Wonder Woman. Yeah. She was the best part of Batman versus Superman. Yeah. The, the only one taking any joy in the proceedings at all. You know, the, just the, the smile she gives when she takes the first hit from Doomsday. It's like, oh, I have a fight on my hands. <laughs> it's like, oh, somebody's enjoying themselves during the events of this movie? Yeah. <laughs> Besides Lex Luthor, who, who who has the uh, the bearing of a man jacking himself off through <laughs> through underneath his trench coat, he stuck his hand through a hole in the pocket to beat off. <laughs> but that's the that's the best example of or the best analogy for his performance as Lex Luthor as I can come up with after a fine Berkshire Brewing Company lost sailor IPA yeah, on a his, Sunday afternoon. His bearing and demeanor for much of. Batman versus Superman is that of the protagonist from um, the bronze in the first couple of minutes as she's jacking off watching herself medal <laughs> in the Olympics. <laughs> you know, I don't like to admit I watched the bronze. <laughs> it's worth it for the one sex scene between the girl and Sebastian Stan. <laughs> it is like watching Winter Soldier hate fuck. Uh, what's her name? For not Nancy Kerrigan, the other one. Oh, Tanya Harding. Tanya, yeah, yeah, it's like watching Bucky hate fuck Tanya Harding. <laughs> That's got its own. Yeah, I'm sure there's a website for that somewhere. Uh, yeah. Or you can uh, rent, rent the bronze. Don't buy. Rent. <laughs> we saw it on cable. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that one, that one we didn't steal. <laughs> that one was on cable. Uh, but yeah, it's. She was dead perfect on it. It's Wonder Woman is an ambassador for peace. Wonder Woman has to be optimistic to work. Yes. She has to see the possible good in everyone to be willing to have this fight against evil. There's no room for murder Batman, mopey Superman, nihilism in the character. And that really comes across in this movie. Yes. Now, you and I have been pretty open that we are not big fans of Brian Azzarello's New 52 take on Wonder Woman. No. And part of that for me was making Wonder Woman the fucking god of war yeah. didn't really work. And you followed it closer than I did. It's Were there any similar... Because that was the big thing going into this was, oh, there's going to be some parts of New uh, 52 Wonder Woman. The biggest, the biggest similarity was they, they kept the origin, which is that she's the daughter of Zeus, rather than sticking with she was formed from clay and had no need of, of man in her origin at all. Yeah, and I've never been a huge fan of that. Part of that is, it's weird. I've never had all that much invested in Wonder Woman's origin. Well, I guess I don't have anything in, invested in any superhero character's origin. It's one of those things. Like, I think taking, to a certain degree, taking the, the origin in which she's formed from clay out of it, it, would you take the radioactive spider out of Peter Parker's or, origins? Uh, we already have in two movies. It's a genetically engineered spider. So whatever. There's a spider involved. There is, but <laughs> uh, but we've also, we've taken we took the web shooters out of the origin for the Sam Raimi movies, and it wasn't the end of the world. W- would you take Batman's parents' murder out of his origin? For once in a movie, I would fucking like to. I've seen it like five <laughs> fucking times. I'm just saying it's it's that closely linked. So to make it. I mean, even with a genetically modified spider, it's still spider-esque. 
Like this just takes out entirely. This is like, yep, the story that I told you about how you were formed for clay is because mommy didn't want to admit to the booty call. <laughs> yeah, but it's. I think this is more. It's like, oh, would you like to take the fact that Bruce Wayne was conceived doggy style in the front bedroom? <laughs> that doesn't fucking matter. That doesn't have anything to do with who Bruce Wayne is, and being made of clay or not doesn't have anything to do with who Diana is. Now that's as a white dude. I recognize. <laughs> It's important to those people. All I know is I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's important to those people who feel that they're she needs to be unfettered from having any sort of male influence on her life. And I can understand that. As somebody outside that representation, it doesn't really matter to me all that much. And that's okay. That's that's everybody comes at it differently. Yeah, and this certainly gave it gave both origins in the sense that, you know, okay, this was the story. It's it's not excised from her origin. Uh, the the fact that it, it was just a story and that statement of it's just a story pops up a few times in this and is extremely important for a couple of things. Mm. So, but at least it nods toward it. Yeah, but, and I think, you know, giving her the idea of of being a god as opposed to an Amazon who turns out to be a meta or <laughs> some some other thing. It does tie in well enough with, we know when we go into these further movies, Justice League movie and all of that, we're going to be seeing the new gods. Yeah, and I think, the, I think making her a god makes sense in the DC uh, expanded cinematic universe yeah. uh, because we're going to see Darkseid and Steppenwolf in Justice League. So, so I, I think an old that, god, yeah, versus the new god, uh, new gods, I think uh, works really well for the overall story of Wonder Woman. I don't think it makes that big a difference, you know, because a lot of the stuff Azarello did. You know, to try to mafia and darken up Wonder Woman. It's you know, oh, it turns out perhaps it's a half rape story, and you know, that, there's that a lot. There's a lot of stuff out. that he had in there that didn't make it into the movie, and I was just as happy about it. You know, the Amazons weren't going around uh, looting ships and pirating them and then raping their men. Like it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's. It, I'm. I. If the only thing you keep is that she, her father turns out to be Zeus. Okay, so be it. Like I'll, okay. <laughs> Tell me again about the legends of the Amazons, Daddy. I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to cue the Dan DiDio. <laughs> Tell me again about the origins of the Amazons, Daddy. With Dan DiDio's fall. Always. There you go. So I, for me, I, I enjoyed it. I, I. I really liked seeing Robin Wright as Antiope. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, I think so. Do I have it here? Uh, and Antiope, Antiope. Uh, at least that's how it's uh, that's how it's spelled. What kind of parents would name their kid that? <laughs> uh, Connie Nielsen as Hippolyta. The weird Holy thing shit, is, yeah. The weird thing is, both of them. I didn't recognize them at all. I, I just yeah. I didn't. <laughs> and somehow, when when they uh, cast the actress that that played four year old Diana, they found somehow found like a jacked four year old. Which is creepy. <laughs> to shoot her up with the steroids. Give her more steroids. She, Although she couldn't she couldn't high kick worth a damn. I didn't believe her. They might have CGI'd some things. I don't know. But she it, there was like this one moment where like she like lifted her arm. I'm like, damn, that's there's like a bicep there. Of course I was drinking. <laughs> and, and and that's why we don't have biceps. <laughs> Among other reasons. <laughs> well, let's talk about the the story a, a little bit. I liked the fish out of water part of it, and I thought it fit in really well. It's part of why I liked Gal Gadot as mm. this character as much as I did, because the the combination of 
going wildly back and forth between sheer joy at seeing certain parts of the world of mankind, like seeing an honest-to-God baby yeah. for the first time. For- ice cream. Yeah, you should be proud. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just the joy at some of these new experiences versus the clear disgust of, God damn this fucking computer. No, I'm not restarting right now. Don't restart right now. (laughs) The the disgust of, yeah, London sucks, and you people are pigs, and really, you're just sending people to die? I love London. Um, I will say this though, in terms of that level of, of grime and whatever, even in the, the nineties when I was there, it's the only place I've ever lived where I, if you go to blow your nose, you can see the smog and how it's impacted you. Really? <laughs> yeah. Cause I smoked two packs a day for 17 years. I never really had that problem I, with a, <laughs> with I, my sputum. I stand by this. <laughs> London, you'll come for the food. No, you won't. You'll, you will now. It's much better. You'll leave for the dirty sputum. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, the the way she played, just I don't want to say childlike joy, but the the legitimate emotion of I'm seeing something I've never seen before, and some of it is incredible, and some of it is just horrible, mm-hmm. and this weird feeling of no, I know the story, and if I can find Ares and kill him, then everything will be fine, and. Learning to deal with the fact that's not the case. And Steve learning to deal with a, a woman who is not like any he's ever met because he's a spy. So straight up, he sees her skill set. He also you know, would like to be with her, but wants to be proper, but sees her <laughs> skill set. And it's like, this is an asset that I can use in this time of war. So I'm going to indulge her in her silly Aries story. At least to start with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Until until he begins to understand what's what's happening as events play out, but it's very clearly, I'm I'm going to you know pat her on the head and give her what she needs until such a time as I get what I want, and then it becomes a, a different story than that later. Yeah, it's a all right. So you want to talk about Chris Pine? Let's do that. Uh, he played Chris Pine. He does. He does that very well um, in such movies as Bottle Shock and Star Trek, and uh, every other Chris Pine. Movie. <laughs> yes. But it's a he he had a, a job to do, and number one is to be a foil to this character who is emotionally just out front. Yes. You now this is Chris Pine plays first of all a person who no I I understand the gray areas of this, and you have to sometimes do terrible things and sometimes make terrible sacrifices to try to stop this. It's not as simple as oh if I stick this sword into this guy we can all go get ice cream. Yeah. Yeah, where where she has, you know, it's it's black or it's white, it's good or it's evil. He is like, eh, let me let me show you this other color called gray. <laughs> yeah, and she never quite picked up pick it up, and that's part of why I like the movie. Yeah, it, there is no, it's she reaches a point where she says, "You're no better than them," but it it doesn't stop her from feeling. This. Well, I mean, it, but he he, you know, preemptively when she's balking balking at the the characters with whom they're going to pair in order to be able to accomplish their objective she's like smugglers and murders and uh and snipers and, and he's and like, liars and, li- and, he, and he ticks off everything that he's done that hits all of those boxes he's like you still want to come with me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean and and the weird thing about steve trevor is steve trevor as a character even in the comic books existed purely to have unrequited love for wonder woman yes that's all steve trevor really has to do yes and he certainly I would say he did it well, but one of the big missteps in the movie is they we're, ne- we're never shown it. We're never really told the implication that they actually 
get together. Yes. The the night after the No Man's Land battle, uh, that would that really kind of bummed me out. It was. Yeah, I, I really wish they hadn't done that. I, I think they were doing that to a certain degree because of expectations from uh, suits who give notes and shippers. It uh, it could be, but uh, number one, nobody has ever shipped Steve Trevor. <laughs> And Wonder Woman? No, I mean, it's just, that's the same faction of people who get pissed off that she's no longer made of clay. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> there are core things. Yeah, but and the idea of Steve Trevor getting together with Wonder Woman really is from far in the past, because in the, uh, and I'm, it's been a while since I read it, the George Perez mm-hmm. reboot post-crisis, Trevor wound up with Etta Candy. Yeah. And in the new 52, Steve Trevor's whole job was, I love her and I will do these terrible things for her, even though she will never be with me. Right. So, yeah, the idea of those two being together, that's Silver Age, Golden Age shit. And and probably notes from people in suits. Yeah, it's maybe it's just as I get older, I don't need to see a love story bolted onto every fucking movie I ever see. Yeah, and it's one of the reasons, you know, we gave Rogue One a rewatch earlier this week, and I was reminded how happy I was that nobody hooked up in that movie. Yeah, there, there was the moment of hand-holding at the end, but shit, if I saw a nuclear fireball <laughs> coming at me, I would hold hands with anybody who was nearby. Yeah, Wookiee. Uh, Andre the Giants. <laughs> that guy with the fish head. <laughs> Lex Luthor wanking himself off under a raincoat. I might draw the line there. I might draw the line there. I'm kidding. It's really Jesse Eisenberg. It wouldn't be Lex Luthor. <laughs> Why are you whacking yourself off under that trench coat? It's method. <laughs> it's method. I just, I need to do this. I need to just beat off unrelenting lights <laughs> for my character. I'm trying to get it. <laughs> the, the real Lex Luthor would be jacking off. <laughs> Look, I just pissed in this jar. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, let me go, Method. <laughs> I wish I was dead. <laughs> but yeah, not every fucking movie needs a love interest. You hear me, Batman versus Superman <laughs> with your creepy Martha bullshit? I don't need it. <laughs> Also, here's the thing that was uh, in in favor of this movie. They they kept Hippolyta's name. Nobody was needlessly named Martha. <laughs> yes, we didn't need that. They're, they're, I know they're the Trinity, yeah. but we don't need that to be the Trinity. That's yeah. just weird and creepy and wrong. <laughs> yes, there was a Martha Wayne and there was a, a Martha Martha Kent. That's and, and yeah, not you're a, all very clever for figuring that out, um, Zack Snyder. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm Martha Paradise. Yeah. I guess. Whatever. Uh, he also, he he provided something Chris Pine did uh, that has been really lacking in all the DC film movies with the exception up to a point of certain parts of Suicide Squad, which is fucking comic relief. Yes. There were some laughs in this movie. Yeah. The Scooby gang that gets put together is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. We've got Spud from uh, <laughs> Train Spotting as the world's greatest sniper who is just too shell-shocked to shoot anymore. Yeah. But he'll but, sing. Yeah. Which which in its own way was part of what I, and, and I don't want to get totally into this yet, but the World War One setting I think worked really well for this movie, mm. far better than a World War II one have. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, the idea that this guy is just so shattered by war. He says he can shoot, but it's just, okay, this is the world I operate in, but I can't really do anything anymore. Right. But he does the best he can for his friends. And when he gets a legitimate, or at least he's a part of a legitimate victory over what happens in No Man's Land, he starts to recover himself. Right. And that was really kind of, yeah, touching. And yeah, the uh, smuggler, the... The one who said, yeah, I, I loved acting, but I'm the wrong color. So, yeah. But I can operate <laughs> in this front, and 
this is the world I operate in. But how just war mm. wore down on a lot of these characters, and everybody did the best they could, but it wasn't necessarily all that good because it's just a terrible situation that destroys anybody who's involved in it. Right. Which is a way to a hell of a tangent off of there was good comic relief in this movie. Well, it 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 was well placed humor that had a purpose because I've said it before and you hate this in Shakespearean plays. Oh, we're going to talk about Shakespeare. Oh, <laughs> I wish I was dead. Go ahead. Such as Macbeth, <laughs> you have to have at least that one scene with the porter in order to balance the horror of the the death of Duncan just moments before. You can't expect an audience. Listen to me, Zack Snyder. You can't expect an audience to sit through Sturm and Drong and just, you know, death and death and death and death and put up with it. There needs to be the occasional moment to foil it. And that's, there was, it was well balanced in this movie. Which I can understand because I think my favorite part of Hamlet, which I have read, I'm not completely unread. <laughs> But Hamlet, when he's talking with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and says... I burn my family alive. <laughs> I like to light things on fire. <laughs> I don't remember Shortly Hamlet. before they die. I read it in, I read it in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I hear people get killed in it. You I do. should like it better than I do. Death. A lot of death. <laughs> um, Lucy Davis as Etta Candy. She didn't have a lot to do, which is kind of a bummer. She mm. was pretty solid. I liked I her a lot. I expect we'll see more of her in whatever extended cut comes out. Probably. The weird thing is they're talking sequel, but they're talking they're going to do it modern. Yes. And they've already dealt with Steve Trevor in various places, because in some part of the story or another where it was the same Wonder Woman in World War II as in the 70s or the 80s, mm -hmm. it was, oh no, this is his son or his nephew or whatever, so she can fall in love all over again, or more, like, more accurately, not fall in love all over again. Yeah, they, they may go that route. Who knows? I, right now, I'm still just kind of coming up. I'm still floating on the high that the movie didn't suck. <laughs> and so I'll worry about the the sequel when we get there. Yes, well, the sequel is going to be Justice League. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I don't know how they're going to get around, because, yeah, I'd love to see her back. You, you said something weird, and it may have been the booze. Probably was the booze. But you said as we were in the car on the way home from the theater that you would have preferred Rebel Wilson as a candy. That would have been fucking awesome, and don't deny it. No, I, de <laughs> I deny that. I cast the out. No, no, that would have been glorious, and don't deny that. Uh, no, explain your reasoning. <laughs> Just because I enjoy her as a, a physical comedic presence. So I liked Etta. We didn't see a lot of her. If we could have just turned it slightly more up to 11, <laughs> it would have been that much better, put in her, my opinion. Put her in a homemade Wonder Woman suit. Yeah, just, yeah. Just kick some, some <laughs> one of the Kaiser's boys in the junk. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, but uh, Lucy James did fine. <laughs> yeah, Lucy Davis. Davis, whatever. <laughs> Look out, it's Rebel Wilson. I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. <laughs> I like Rebel Wilson, I say. Uh, that's okay. It's, it's not my favorite actress, but what the hell? <laughs> that's okay. We don't have to like all the same things. No, I think we do. I think it's the law. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's go back to the World War I setting. Yes. Which I thought was... It really seemed like the obvious thing when they said, oh, we're going to put it in World War I, is that they were doing it because they didn't want it to look too much like Captain America, the first Avenger. Right. It really worked out, I think, better than it than I originally thought it was going to because I uh, nobody cares about World War One, but that's kind of the good thing about it because with World War Two, the obvious 
antagonist. Where is Hitler? Yeah, the obvious antagonist <laughs> is Hitler. And if you take that out, it really becomes Wonder Woman's crusade is really against war itself. Yes. And they really played that up in the movie because everyone's comment is that the war is crazy. And everyone, I mean, obviously, the Germans are the home of, uh, what's it, Dusendorf? Uh, I forget his name. I got it written down here someplace. The guy they thought was Ares. L- Ludendorff. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Poison. Yep. I, look, the Germans are the ones who wound up taking it in Armistice Day. Yep. So, all right. Setting I, up the, yeah. <laughs> but everyone's focus, including on the German side, other than those two characters, was we have to find a way to stop this war. The war is the problem. The war is what we're trying to get a handle on. It yeah. wasn't a particular nation. It was this situation is out of control and under any circumstance, we have to find a way to make it stop. The Earth had literally never seen a war like it. That's why they called it the war to end all wars. Yeah, that worked out. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, all the stuff you read about trench warfare and just no man's land. And if you haven't read uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, you, you probably have a slightly brighter outlook on life than I do. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have not. It's It really gets into what it was like and, you know, dealing with technology like Gatling guns and bombardment and PTSD when you come home and you're on leave and you hear a car backfire even in 1917 as they're describing this. Just, it's it's visceral. Yeah, they really used gas as sort of the weapon of the future Mustard in this. Mustard gas was a big deal. It, it, debil- it was debilitating. But it was also, yeah, it was the first war with, yeah, automatic weapons and air support. And yeah. yeah, there was... A lot of things nobody had ever seen before. And I get that. And look, my, my dad was the history major. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote dick jokes for money. But but by making it World War One and taking out, oh, these are the bad guys, it allows the mission to be against war itself, which works much better for Wonder Woman yes. than I think almost any other superhero that you could. Yes, Ludendorff. I found where I wrote it down. I see, I was right. You I was right. drinking, but I remembered the name. <laughs> and I suck. No, so, no. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. Like but, it, I did write it down. Rob, colon, I suck. <laughs> thank Exclamation you. point. I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, the other thing is, yeah, it, it's almost tailor-made. It's What was the best scene in the movie where she goes into no man's land? Yeah. If, oh, God. If you're going to have a Wonder Woman, which does have a feminist message, yeah, having a no man's land that only she can defeat, it's perfect. Yeah. It's, you couldn't write that shit if you had to come up with it. And so it's, yeah, absolutely perfect. And yeah, having one or two people be the face of continuing war, it let them do the whole Ares storyline. And it makes sense to have, yeah, a couple of characters like that. Making it Hitler would have been trite, and it mm-hmm. would have been Wonder Woman versus Hitler, which is not nearly as powerful. No. But yeah, that gets us into the Ares storyline, which I'm not really sure I liked all that much. Well, it, the underlying purpose of it was to try, from Ares' point of view, to get Diana to, to understand that gods are above humans for a reason, and they don't appreciate that which you give them, and they don't uh, deserve this world that has been provided for them. And it takes very little for what Ares feels is their true human nature, which is to destroy, to come out. Which I kind of get. It's contrasted with Diana's innate need, even though she discovers she's not an Amazon, and the Amazon's purpose were to bring love and harmony and peace into the world. It's to 
contrast, you know, cause Diana firmly holds those values as sacred. And that's why she wants to bring an end to war so that she can continue the mission of the Amazons because she's been told that she probably can't go home. And I understand that, but I don't think you needed Ares to do it. I think name checking Ares and the naive idea that, oh, all I have to do is kill this god with this sword and everything will be fine. I think you could have that belief and the overtime understanding or even the sharp understanding of I killed Ludendorff and it didn't stop. The problem is not Ares. The problem is mankind. Yeah, but I think if you're going to bring the supernatural in terms of gods into it, you kind of have to resolve that portion of the story rather than leaving it out there in ephemeral. See, I, I don't necessarily agree. I think particularly for that story point, it would have been... And most of this was here already. So yeah. this is almost a nitpick of, oh, and then they brought Ares in. It's having her understand the the problem is mankind. And maybe they are not deserving of my intervention. And understanding that, no, there is significant good in mankind that is worth defending and nurturing to try to end war is a noble enough mission as opposed to, I got to kill this one dude. And most of that was already there. Yeah, I, I think the other portion of it was to, to drive home that it wasn't just the Germans. On both sides, there were vested interests in keeping the war going. And by making it a member of the of the Allies, I, I don't think they were called the Allies at that point. Uh, no, not for <clears throat> World War I. Um, but yeah, making it a Sir Patrick. Yeah. You know, who Diana described early in the movie as, yeah, just a bureaucrat fighting from an office, sending other people to their deaths. That's the perfect choice for the god of war. Yeah. Somebody standing above the battlefield saying, you go die and you go die. So if you have to have Ares, that was the right choice for it. The the double blind of, you you twigged right on that Ludendorff was not Ares. No. Um, I was kind of hoping it was Dr. Poison, but... <laughs> yeah, but even that, that would have been a good choice. And I, I agreed with you when you said it, uh, mostly because you were only on your second glass of wine. But, <laughs> but uh, the more I think about it, it's no, making her as much, not a victim of war, but a, a, a creature of that circumstance uh, really worked for me. Yeah. Where it's, uh, this is just terrible and we're all doing the things that we think are right. And sometimes they're terrible. But I really thought that... If if she wasn't Ares, then she was going to turn out to be one of his minions, like, um, not Nike, but um, there's other ones. <laughs> I forget. Uh, Heatwave? <laughs> Discord or something like that. Um, because she, she came up with that sort of proto-meth stuff that gave Ludendorff super strength in increments. <laughs> Which I would agree that would make her godlike but i've seen pictures of people who make meth you don't need to be godlike to come up with something she, like she was, that she was missing most of her face like many meth heads exactly but, but I, I just it seemed and it was probably a purposeful double blind it seemed as though she was meddling with some things that were not quite on the up and up scientifically they had a bit of a supernatural tinge. And we, we may find out in Justice League or in a sequel that there was something else going on because she was certainly a powerful villain. Uh, <laughs> the problem is, I think the worst goddamn scene in the movie was... And she was also writing in Sumerian and Babylonian, like well, out of nowhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> it would have been sufficient probably for her to, for the purposes of stymieing the, the average individual that might look at the notebook, put it in Old English. <laughs> it's it's Germanic. 
<laughs> if you're that smart, use PGP for Christ's sake. Oh, Jesus. I mean, you can teach a child to use it. <laughs> That's in no way true. I've never been able to teach somebody to use PGP effectively. I use it constantly just to encrypt my own shit because I can't get anybody to use it. But and actually, that uh, one thing that I kind of liked uh, there was a certain expediency in how to explain certain things mm-hmm. in this movie. Because yeah, going back to the the, the George, lasso of exposition, you- the lasso of exposition. Yeah, that certainly kept the plot going. Yeah, just put the lasso on somebody; they'll explain everything that you need to know. <laughs> but I mean, simple stuff like there's a huge amount of real estate in not just uh, George Perez's Wonder Woman, but in Greg Rucka's current Wonder Woman of mm-hmm. how does she know how to speak to people? How does she learn English? Well, this is just, oh, no, we're scholars, and yeah, we know hundreds of languages. Well, to be fair, in the, in the new Rucka run, she is only speaking some, at the very beginning, some ancient form or of a Greco-type language, which is why they introduce the character who will eventually become Cheetah. And they do something similar in George Perez's run, and that makes total sense. And it is smart storytelling. It is somebody saying, okay, if this were happening in the real world, somebody from this island nation that has no interaction with people, how would they learn how to communicate? And that would be great if I had six hours to sit in a fucking theater to watch Wonder Woman lo- learn phenomes. Although I don't be, have that. <laughs> to be fair, um, Rucka did come up with a quick shorthand for it in this week's Wonder Woman 1 annual in terms of using the lasso as a universal translator. And that was a glorious fucking scene. If, if you... <laughs> It's a there's it's a little bit uneven Wonder Woman Annual One because it's a bunch of four and five page stories. Yeah, I liked it for the most part though. I generally liked it, but yeah, that first Greg Rucka story where Superman and Batman become aware of Wonder Woman's presence for the first time. But then she finds them first. And yes, awesome. puts out the lasso <laughs> of truth so everybody has to say their real name. And Superman says Clark Kent, Kal El, and Batman says. Batman, you're fucking a right. That's his real That's name. That's right. Well, I mean, it's the whole thing. Bruce Wayne is the mask. Yeah, it's, and I realize there's a more modern inclination to say, "Oh no, that's not. That's an '80s Frank Miller thing." Yeah, I was 16 when <laughs> when fucking Dark Knight Returns came out. That's my Batman. Well, and also what that's setting up to is great because you know then then Superman being the ever the Boy Scout. Now, now she's we've all seen you know what's in each other's hearts, and Batman's like, "Yeah, now I got a lot of explaining to do." <laughs> Well, yeah, and yeah, that was a great moment of we have a long way to go because yeah. we've seen what's in her heart and we're fucking savages. Yeah, that was a great moment in that book. Yeah, that first, it's worth buying for that Greg Rucka opening short story alone because that's a great Batman, a couple of great Batman moments. I actually like the King Shark story that's in that one too. That was pretty solid too. Yeah. It's not a book we're going to talk about because you know what? It's hard to review an individual comic book with like nine fucking stories in it. Yeah. Because you'll be talking about it for 45 minutes. <laughs> but. We're getting off the, the. We're getting off the movie. Let's get off back the, to the movie, movie. The movie topic. Did the Aries thing work for you? I, I thought it was fine. See, it's. Uh... But again, if you read a lot of Wonder Woman, the the gods are sort of always a presence. It, so it, it it didn't bother me. I think the way that it bothered you because I'm I'm used to this, and that's before Azarello fucked around with the story. Yeah, but, and I get the, like I said, there were a few moments in it where various characters, particularly Hippolyta, said, these are just stories. Yeah. And we had the moment of Wonder Woman trying to kill Ludendorff, and it's like, but why didn't it cure everything? But one thing that stuck out for me was, even though we've established, oh, they're just stories, when she finally does kill Ares, I might have liked the moment of, okay, did I really stop war? Because I killed Ares. Maybe this story's real because now I've actually killed Ares. No, it's just, okay, I'm going to move on and this is still my mission. Yeah, I, I mean, she 
the the movie is is her her learning arc because we also have in this story she saves this village at on the other side of no man's land. Yes. And there's celebration and everybody's thanking her and then moments later in the course of the movie hours later chronologically the same town is uh, Alderand <laughs> by yeah. by uh, Ludendorff <laughs> and and his forces. So she learns that you know sometimes you can try as hard as you can and it still makes no difference and that's that's the tragedy one of the tragedies of war yeah no that, you're you're absolutely right and i can totally see that and uh, so you know one figures going forward that yes sure ares is dead but at what cost it seems that steve trevor blew himself up out of love for her which was a, a weird tonal misstep yeah that bothered me in the movie um, and then, you know, this is years later, she's still living in London and, you know, presumably she's seen World War II go down. She's seen Vietnam and the Korean War go down. She's seen the Gulf Wars. The, the entire Middle East for the last 150 years. Yeah. So, so okay, Aries is gone, but clearly his message was valid. It doesn't take that much to push people one way or the other. All you can do is what you can do. Yeah, uh, you'd think you could do more with super strength and invisible jet. We didn't see the invisible jet. In this. Yeah, and, and you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, that's always been kind of hokey. <laughs> but uh, uh, all right, so yeah, let's go back to Steve Trevor sacrificing himself. I thought that was somewhat of a missed opportunity. You know, because it, it, it comes, I think, out of the whole implication that they slept together that one night in Gurk or whatever the fuck the <laughs> name of that fucking dork, the name of that village was, <laughs> and, and the fact that Trevor. His last words were, I love you, before he did it, I think. I don't want to say minimized his sacrifice, but it would have been far more powerful. And he certainly, certainly everybody tried. They had him say, you save the world, I'll save the day, or something like yeah. that. But ending with, I love you, there's still the implication of, I'm doing this for you. It's like the omen. It's all for, for you, you, Damien. <laughs> yeah. It's all for you. Where And it, and it contradicts the the clear sense of honor and duty and service that he has that he'd made statements towards and also acted upon so it wasn't just i'm i'm telling and not showing so it was unnecessary <laughs> yeah and it's in its own way it still kind of works cuz for for wonder woman's arc to work for for her arc to be mankind is savage and warlike but there is something noble to try to save and try to nurture right uh, he has to sacrifice himself. And there's a certain, you get a certain amount of that, even if it's, I'm sacrificing myself for you, it's still selfless. Yeah. And I still, I, I really, while it kind of struck me wrong, I, I really think there was a certain amount of, no, I have to do this because of duty, but it just, it chops the edge off of it to say, oh, and I I love you. Right. It's it, Whether it's for one person or multiple people, it'd be far better for, you know, look, you have this other thing to do, but these people need to be saved, so I will go do it. And that's the end of it. Yeah, and, and you don't know what it is that I'm going to do until it happens. Again, show, don't tell. The showing was sufficient. You could have read into it that he loved her. You could have read into it that you know, he, he knew what he had to do for, for mankind and his duty towards ending the war. It, you didn't have to go and be like, I love you, and have that sort of like awkward like Han Leia moment. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, she certainly doesn't say anything back. <laughs> yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> nice to meet you. Good luck. <laughs> That's the other reason I like the love story. It's like they, 
even though it was a truncated love story, it, it's like she slept with him because he was there. Yeah, you know, it's it as if to like say to him, you know, your your notions of propriety around marriage are foolish. Here, let me show you. Yeah, <laughs> and she gave the whole speech of, uh, oh no, men are not necessary for the pleasures of the flesh. And so she, but I'll all, take advantage of you while you're here. Yeah, well, since I got you. Well, yeah, <laughs> but that cuts both ways. True, <laughs> goddammit. it! I don't even need batteries for Christ's sake. But just like Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, I just need a pair of scissors for the pocket of my trench coat. (laughs) (laughs) The calliope music is the only way you can come. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Actually, this is the only way I can come. You suck. Oh, but yeah, the the romance really felt bolted on, and I think it took the edge off of off of scenes that I think the original point does come across, but they made it harder than it had to. But you're right. It reeks of some suit going, well, don't Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor wind up together. It's a, you know, you're thinking of the TV show. Why bring Lyle Wagoner into this? <laughs> it's a perfectly good RV vi- business. Leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funny thing. You see all these, these pictures of, they bring Linda Carter in. Nobody's yeah. bringing it into the premiere and shit. Nobody's bringing Lyle Wagoner anywhere. Yeah. Is he even still alive? <laughs> Uh, I think so. We talked about it on the show. He's got a. I drink. He's got a business where he rents trailers to movies. Okay, I so thought it was movie, RVs or something. Yeah, so movie stars can uh, get hammered and do blow in a, a nice, comfortable trailer. Uh-huh. Well, he knows <laughs> what they need. He's been in Hollywood. That's right. He was on TV in the seventies. So. <laughs> so yeah, they're not. Dragging, this is your blow room. Yeah, <laughs> they're not dragging him out of a trailer. <laughs> but, Hi, I was Steve Trevor. Who? Oh. <laughs> Uh, all right. This so. entire surface, nothing but mirror. <laughs> Bring your own razor blades, goddammit. Yeah. Sure, you could have fancy granite, but I've got... <laughs> no, it makes a terrible squeaking sound. Yeah. When you tried to, I've said too much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't do drugs, kids. I'm just a drinker, I swear <laughs> to God. Yeah, of everything else that went on in the movie, I will put that scene where Diana goes over the wall into no man's land as possibly the best most affecting superhero action flick in any superhero movie. I got a um, little teary and it wasn't just because I was drinking. Probably probably helped. It probably helped. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the entire rejection of this can't be won. Nobody can do this. It's just a terrible, it's a, well, no, I, I will do it and I can do it. And the fact that it reached a certain point and she couldn't do it by herself and the fact that she was able to inspire these yeah. other guys, you know, Steve Trevor, who's like, you can't do it, and war is terrible, and you, th- there is no necessarily magical moment where it's like, no, okay, she's gone over. He's inspired, and that inspires other people to to go in after her and yeah, I mean, join the fight. Not to knock on any of the Captain America movies, but there's always this sense of when when Cap charges in, everybody falls in line because it's Captain America. In this particular case, she led by showing what she could do, and in doing so, it had nothing to do, you know, oh, it's Wonder Woman, of course we're going to follow her into battle. No, she showed what could be accomplished, and she gave reason for the rest of the team to fall in and support her efforts and understand her leadership. Yeah, and just the statement of, you you can't tell me I can't do it. Yeah. Or, or I'm gonna, I forget what the exact line is. It's like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And right. Yeah, just, and the, the combination of that and the music and everybody's reaction to it, and yeah, we we get scenes like that in Captain America: The First Avenger, but yeah, it's very much spoken. It's like, hey, it's Cap, so we have to do it. 
Yeah. And you're absolutely right. None of that was there. It was just like, oh my God, look at this. And it's inspiring. It's inspiring watching it. It was inspiring to the characters who were there to see it happen. Yeah. And when they came in with that Justice League overall theme, like it was one of the first times I heard that in these movies and wasn't filled with dread. Like it was <laughs> yeah. Although it's still not my favorite music it's, cue. Yeah, it's I'm in the minority there, but... <laughs> But yeah, just I, I would put that scene up against anything. I'm trying to think of anything that's even remotely close in giving me chills in the way that that did. Yeah, I, I'd be hard pressed to think of one, honestly. Yeah, it's <laughs> maybe when Indiana Jones shot the dude with the sword, but no, even that was just funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things I also enjoyed about the movie and the sort of is a, an aside from from that particular scene is the movie did a nice job. Also, um, giving nods to things that came before. There's a scene in the alley when they initially arrive in London and Steve Trevor is set upon by other spies that want the notebook that he had retrieved from uh, Ludendorff and Dr. Poison. And they had purposefully put Diana in a trench coat with glasses and a hat. Yeah. And she reaches over to save him when he's being shot at. And it's, it's an a direct homage to the same scene in 1978's Superman. Yep, Superman the movie. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You pointed that out to me. That's like, oh shit, it is. And it was really <laughs> effective. Yeah. And if you're going to name check a movie, then uh, yeah, the, the end of Superman kind of sucks. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah, that, yeah, I didn't pick up on that at all until you mentioned it. And I was sober. And that's the only time you see her in glasses since an attempt to disguise her in this movie. It was just enough so that she would... L- look like Christopher Reeve did in that moment. Yeah. And then they purposefully step on the glasses as part of the fight that ensues around that. <laughs> yeah, they've they've made a big deal in all of the the DC except for Batman. It's like, oh, secret identities. What are those for? Yeah. Like Clark Kent doesn't exist until we've already seen Superman. Right. And yeah, it's there's no purpose for Diana Prince. Although was she Diana Prince in Batman versus Superman? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So I guess she keeps the secret identity. Seems Silly-ish, but all right. Well, after a while, you, you realize you know, if you say that you're a princess of th- uh, Themyscira, they go, where? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, too, have a degree I printed off the internet. You know what? <laughs> Once you win World War One, you could say, hi, I'm princess of uh, Madagascar." Right? It's like, yeah, that place. I love that place. You're awesome. But no, then you have to like try to figure out how to fade reasonably into the background, because otherwise the men come with their knives, and they want to cut you up and figure out why you haven't aged. Uh, you're fucking Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree. If you're a dude around Wonder Woman, your reaction is not, let me cut her open and see how it works. It is... I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. (laughs) Uh, Should should we move into the political shit around this? Yeah, may as well. It it was weird. I told my dad last week, he said, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, we're going to see Wonder Woman. And and he rolled his fucking eyes like I told him, oh, I'm going to walk across water or something. And... Part of that was when I was a kid and the Linda Carter show was on, Mm. my dad was not thrilled with the idea that I wanted to watch it. And after watching it, that I wanted to buy some Wonder Woman comics. Okay. And and I think that was very much, you know, that was, yeah, mid, late 70s. And there was still an attitude of don't let your boy children play with girl things or they'll wind up all queered up. Did he (laughs) let you watch The Bionic Woman? Uh, Yeah, he did. I think Wonder Woman was first. I think that was 74 to like 79. So that was before Bionic Woman. And yeah, it didn't stop me from wanting to play with toy guns and shit like that. All right, well, he'll probably be fine. 
But the reality was, it was a show about a superhero on. Yeah, it made me spin around, figure, oh, this will do it. I just fall down. (laughs) I'm going to turn into Wonder Woman. Nope, I'm going to (laughs) puke. I did that because uh, you don't let seven-year-olds buy beer. (laughs) And it worked pretty well, at least for a while. But... Yeah, it was purely a case of it's not like now where you know you almost bash your remote into your head mm-hmm. on any primetime night and there's some show about superheroes on. Right. There was Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was on after Six Million Dollar Man had been canceled. Yeah, I want to watch this. It's on. Right. This and The Incredible Hulk was all I had for a while on TV. Mm-hmm. You but, and me both. But yeah, it's there was this attitude. Yeah, you, oh, my son's going to become queer if he likes Wonder Woman. It's No. I have proof. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a raincoat. <laughs> Hi, Rob's dad. <laughs> when I talk to him today, it's I don't think they're going to see it. I don't think he and my mom are going to go see it. They like they generally like superhero movies. They went to see Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and they were shocked how much they liked it. They yeah. missed the first one, and they were visiting my brother at the time, and he had the Blu-ray. So as soon as he heard, oh, you haven't seen it? Well, let me put this on. And yeah, so they, they like superhero movies. They were fine with my reading. Well... They didn't stop me from reading comics as I went past 12 years old. Yeah. But my dad had a really negative reaction. I told him, oh, he went to see it uh, when I talked to him today. He's like, those goddamn all-female screenings and how how dare they? And I'm like, all right, first of all, dad, that has nothing to do with the movie or DC films or the quality of the movie. I don't give a shit about that. It's a good movie. Yeah. I don't think it got through to him, but so... (laughs) Did he also, there are some folks that are also going on about, she's not American, therefore she's not a good hero or role model. Oh, for Christ's sake. No, he didn't say anything about that. He's read too many comics to know that's a good argument. That's somebody who doesn't read comics who decides, oh, her costume's red, white, and blue in the Silver Age and the Golden Age, so she must be American. My dad knows Wonder Woman's origin. Yeah, I, I'm I saying that that's another one that's out there floating around. Yeah, I, I did not buy comic books on my own. They were introduced to me. My dad read them as a kid. He knows where Wonder Woman comes from. He knows Wonder Woman's not a fucking American. Spoilers: Superman is played by a British guy. <laughs> that's right. He's playing an alien. And Batman's played by a guy from Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the closest to the actual <laughs> educated guy from Cambridge. <laughs> Did you have any particular reaction to the the all female screenings of? Because that's the big uproar. It's how dare the Alamo Drafthouse? Who Draft fucking House. cares? It, that's kind of where I'm at. It, I, I mean, on one hand, I get it because if there were all male screenings of Spider Man, there'd be a similar how dare you reaction from the other side. But with that said, most superhero movie screenings are a fucking sausage fest anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and frankly, if somebody came up to me and said, hey, you want to see Spider-Man? You want to go see a movie about a teenage boy who wears spandex pants with a whole bunch of men? Just men watching a teenage boy in spandex. Yeah, I think I'm going to pass. I don't think I want to be part of that. I don't want to join. I don't want your newsletter. I, I would at least have questions. Yeah. I I'd have questions. Yeah, but on the other hand, if a woman wants to see Wonder Woman without some fucking neckbeard mansplaining about how Wonder Woman was totally into bondage and subservience back in the day, yeah. what the fuck does anybody care? Who gives a shit? Uh, there, there are people that look for excuses to complain about things. I, both sides do it. This happens to be... I, I'm glad that it didn't negatively impact uh, the, the box office returns overall of what is a great movie. Was Ghostbusters, the reboot, everything that it could have been? No. But the negativity surrounding it, leading up to it, 
didn't help. Really kind of stomped it out. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad this. I'm glad Wonder Woman was able to overcome what was a, a, a blip of some some negativity. Yeah, and it was it and was, a needless negativity. It was fake ne- negativity. It's not like oh, you can't see Wonder Woman. It would be, sir, you go to theater two instead of theater three. Yeah, it's not preventing anybody from seeing the movie. No, and frankly, if your problem is oh, and, the women's will go see it without me. If you're dating somebody who wants to see Wonder Woman without you, the Alamo Draft House is not your fucking problem. Yeah, yeah. So, the it was on a Tuesday at six o'clock in the evening. <laughs> like, like, oh no. <laughs> Yeah, what's the big fucking deal? Uh, you know, I was gonna buy a Happy Meal right now, but I really wanted to go see Wonder Woman right now at Tuesday at six p.m. <laughs> yeah, it's a, there's another screening. It's right next door. It's, who fucking cares? Yeah, it's <laughs> and yeah, it's that whole not patriotic enough. The, the only thing I kept thinking because I read a couple things about that before the show. I'm like, you know, Paradise Island is not in the Gulf of Mexico, motherfucker. No, I feel safe in saying that Paradise is nowhere near Florida. <laughs> it's not even close to Florida. People look for stupid shit to get upset about. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, yeah, overall, really good movie. I'm not sure where I'd rank it in all superhero for, movies. Well, for the DC movies, I think it's it's the... It's flat out the best the DC best movie so far. Uh, by light years. And then, you know, which was your favorite Marvel movie so far? Uh... I'm probably going to go with Captain America Winter Soldier. All right. So if you had to compare this to to Winter Soldier. They're really very different. Yes. uh, Because Winter Soldier, well, uh, maybe not. I was going to say Winter Soldier has the benefit of all these movies that came before, but so does Wonder Woman. At this point, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I'm not sure. I I think overall Winter Soldier has a better third act. Yes, I will agree with you there. So the, the big action sequence, I think, worked a little better for me without... I think that worked better for me. So, yeah, I think I'd put this... I think I'd put it... Would I put it with the absolute best of Marvel movies? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, I'll, really what this movie... For me, I, I I enjoyed it immensely. I I do think that Winter Soldier was better. But it's... I don't really necessarily care that they're going to have a Captain Marvel movie coming out with Brie Larson. It's nice. I want a Black Widow movie. This movie makes me want a fucking Black Widow movie. Yeah, a woman <laughs> in wartime situations who is... Doing what needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see that. Uh, although the the level of optimism and humor that you get in Wonder Woman, I don't think you can get from a legit wartime espionage Black Widow movie. I would kill for a Black Widow movie that works like James Robinson's and Akko's Nick Fury comic. Yes. Where it's, let's do it like old school James Bond, but with modern technology. Yes. I would love that. But that's also why, and they were showing the the various preview trailers leading up to Wonder Woman, I am down for that Atomic Blonde movie. That looks pretty fucking good. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'd never heard of it before that trailer. Uh, Google it. It looks pretty solid. Holy fuck, I want to see that movie. (laughs) Yeah. So... So yeah, it's. Uh, I would definitely put it up with among the the top echelon of Marvel movies. It's the first legitimately good DC movie. Yeah, and it's. Uh, and I'd it, love to be able to say that about Man of Steel or Batman versus Superman, which I will certainly defend on certain levels. But still, yeah, even the extended cut of Batman versus Superman, I wouldn't put above a six and a half, seven. It's yeah. a decent flick. Now this the other thing that was nice about this. It was the one of the first superhero movies I've seen that went out of its way to even in the darkest moments, there was always hope and light. And you, even with some of the Marvel movies, you don't necessarily get that. 
that's true. You get brighter colors overall in terms of their cinematography. <laughs> no, I'm picturing the darkest, the darkest parent-child moment in Wonder Woman was, you know, oh, those are just stories. You can't train to be a warrior versus, no, son, stay there while I'm killed by a tornado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, give Patty Jenkins whatever she wants. Now, the larger question for me is, uh, Patty Jenkins needs to be given more movies immediately. Like, just whatever it has Zack Snyder's name next to it, just go ahead and slide that on over to Patty. Um, when... <laughs> like, Zack Snyder's having a hard time right now. I don't want to give him too much shit, but... Now, my, my, my question is, when does Catherine Bigelow get a superhero movie? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> She already had a vampire movie that I was going to bring up when we talk about Redneck, and you didn't like that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you had to go there, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> and I'll go. I think I like that better than you did, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. All right, so let's let's wrap this up then. All right, so yeah, Wonder Woman, you're right. We've, we've talked over the last few weeks of, God, please don't let it suck. It was better than not sucked. It was a legitimately good movie. Yes. That I, I want to see it again soon. <laughs> it's a, we can make a big double feed. We can do a seven o'clock uh, this week because we're trying to cut back on the booze. Not right now. Mm-hmm. I'm on my third beer. But uh, yeah, we can do a because we mean to see Alien. Mm. We can do Alien and Wonder Woman. Okay. On like Tuesday night on cheap night at the local theater. That sounds good. All right. All right. And that and that's the sad thing about the state of DC films. Yeah, we're coming out of this going and Justice League. It's like, ooh, <laughs> God, <Yeah>. please, Jesus. <laughs> So, somebody... Team Thud. <laughs> no more inside jokes during the show, damn it. I can't keep explaining Team Thud. <laughs> if you haven't listened to the early episode when we watched the early Game of Thrones, uh, what's his name? Jason Momoa. Yes. Uh, he was Cal Drogo, and we called him Thud. So we decided we were Team Thud. So yes. every time we see a Justice League trailer, it's like, Team Thud! Anything with Jason Momoa is Team Thud. Team Thud. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm still not watching his Conan the Barbarian, goddammit. Uh, Team Thudder, no. I gotta, I gotta get a little bit more whiskey in me before I think that's a good idea. <laughs> we have plenty. I bought a whole quarter rebel yell. Oh, God help us. Well, yeah, you won't survive Conan the Barbarian, but... All right. You want to talk about a couple comics? Yes. Which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, do we want to talk about the bummer that is the continued existence of Secret Empire so that we can end on the better note? Let's do that. Okay. Secret Empire 3, <laughs> to which I apologize. I said two issues ago, I think I'm done, but uh, I, I don't like doing this. Like a festering wound, you can't stop poking. Yeah, I don't like doing this to you. <laughs> I don't like doing it to myself. Every issue that I read, the best thing about it is that we're closer to the end. Nick Spencer seems to want to go days without sleep to find a way to end Secret Empire with something that doesn't make sense and pisses me off. Mm. But all right, before that, Secret Empire 3, uh, written by Nick Spencer, art by Andrea Sorrentino. All right, before we go negative, because <laughs> there's almost no choice, there's something in every issue, mm. there are bright spots here. I liked the use of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. These are bright spots for Secret Empire, which doesn't say a lot, but they're bright spots nonetheless. And yes, and see, look, let's face reality. We like Nick Spencer other than this. Nick Spencer is capable of, of writing a, a story that involves action and humor. I've seen him do it. Yes. And he brings some of that to bear here, even though it's a turd that he's polishing. <laughs> uh, yes. 
Because, <laughs> yeah, his best books are the ones with the sense of humor. We like the fix. We like the superior mm. foes of Spider-Man. Ant-Man is solid. There's a whole he, whole exchange between Rocket and Groot about the merits of the Wu-Tang Clan. Exactly. And- <laughs> yes. Peter Quill and Rocket and Baby Groot, because we've decided that the Guardians in the movies are the Guardians in the comic now, which is fine, because, mm. hey, you can certainly do worse. Promote synergy. Yes. <laughs> I don't have the like of... Promote synergy. Oh, I wish I was dead. That's as close as I got right <laughs> you now. You gotta get the like a boss. But, uh, yeah, trying to convince these aliens that Alpha Flight needs help to fight the Chitari and breach the planetary shield. And all they hear is, so you say that most of humanity is trapped and it's just a few people like you. Hail whoever. Who's, who are they fighting? <laughs> Hail Hydra. Kill them. Mm. That was a funny moment. It was. A boomerang who was a superior foe of Spider-Man yep. as a black market guy who is just so excited he's like I got this restaurant now because of my black market shit try my wings they're awesome and Maria Hill's like yeah he's got really good wings that was good <laughs> Black Widow's reaction when one of the champions refers to Chris Pine as Captain Kirk instead yeah. of William Shatner <laughs> there were some good moments of levity here that have been missing Mm. that really helped the book. It's like you could go right back to earlier DC films and Wonder Woman. Yeah, this shit helps because whether anybody wants to believe it or not, this is a relentless, depressing story about Captain America being a traitorous Nazi. You really need a chuckle or two to get through that. On the flip side, though, we have the the continued existence of the Captain America that we're now supposed to believe is the real Captain America to give you hope. Yeah, there's a whole theory going around that I think started with Nerdist, which I'm beginning to give What's credence their to. Their theory is that the Captain America that we have been dealing with since the end of Secret Wars yeah. is the Captain, the ultimate universe Captain America, the one who mm. was kind of right-wing and radical to begin with, who screamed, do you think this letter on my oh, head God, stands that one. for France? So, uh, no, I, th- I, I could see that if we hadn't already... Um, destroyed all of those universes yeah but we have the maker uh the ultimate uh reed richards is still around irritating people i suppose that's positive my my take on this is no it's it's a it's a sadly mind wiped and, and brain rebooted captain america courtesy of the cosmic cube i feel like this other captain america that's wandering around is one of the fragments of the cosmic cube that everybody is looking for that's interesting that hadn't occurred to me. That's that's not a bad theory, actually. Except, uh, wouldn't he know? Kobik knew she was the Cosmic Cube, or at least a piece of the Cosmic Cube. We don't know yet. I suppose. All we know is that he's trying to get home, whatever that means. Yeah, I, that's true. I suppose uh, that's a possibility. So you think the good Captain America, or the... <laughs> I yeah. guess he's good. The recently revealed, we think, is the good Captain America. Yeah. yeah, who gets two or three pages here, like somebody said, yeah, okay, abort, abort, we need it to be a different Captain America. Get him in a couple issues, and we'll add an issue so he can actually do something with it. That yeah. Captain America? Yeah. You think he's a piece of the Cosmic Cube? I do. Okay. That's a possibility. he's trying to get home. He shows up apropos of nothing. <laughs> yeah, true. Saving somebody who we don't know who it is. Yeah. And we know that the pieces of the Cosmic Cube have been scattered, so... Why can't they have taken other forms? That's not a bad theory. That didn't occur to me at all. That's That might work. I mean, there's a certain amount to be said, and uh, I I would say, oh, I'll put the link to the, the Nerdist thing. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm drunk. <laughs> I, mean, I can't find it. But yeah, their, their theory is it's the ultimate 
and part of it came from his costume when he came back looked a lot more like the Ultimates costume. And, that's true. But then again, yeah, there's there's a lot to be said for that. Okay, so that's a possibility. Either way, we know Either he's going to wind up being Captain America, and it's only a matter of time. Yeah, I mean, another thing that would give it that would give it more credence that it's the ultimate universe Captain Marvel, not Captain Marvel, Captain America, is that we know that at some point Miles is supposed to kill Captain America, she says, with big bunny quotes in the air. Yes. And it would make sense if ultimate Spider-Man killed ultimate Captain America. See, I don't think we're going to come to that because one of the more positive things I liked about this book was we had in the last issue Black Widow saying, I will train you, welcome to the Red Room, which implied I will teach you to kill. And she is clearly trying to teach them to make the ultimate choice if they have to. Right, and right now they're all holding on to, you know, there's always another way. Yeah, and that's positive. Yes. (laughs) Yes, that these heroes will not kill despite this unrelenting bummer that we're all living through, (laughs) either in the Marvel Universe or watching it from the outside. It's a, they will not stop looking for solutions that will allow them to win without killing. It's refreshing in this bummer of a fucking story. And I hope that attitude continues. I hope it doesn't reach the point where Miles Morales decides I have to murder Steve Rogers. Right. I think we're probably going to get there. I think we are. But So there were positive things in this book, and this is really the first issue of Secret Empire where I can say, all right, there are some things that are objectively good and fun there aren't many of them they're bright spots in the darkness but yeah we do all that and then we get back to the fucking dumb shit yeah you know it's yet another scene of cap dragging sharon carter around as his hopeful fuck hostage or something (laughs) hoping she'll see how nifty hydra is if he just gives her enough caviar and whatever love me i mean yeah shit like that has never worked in any movie ever Ever about the Nazis from no. Casablanca to Inglorious Bastards. It's never worked. It doesn't work in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because yeah. then Karen Allen drinks you under the table and threatens you with a butter knife. Exactly. <laughs> it's Hey Poot, I'm Karen Allen. <laughs> That's <laughs> All right. He was wrong and you knew it. There's there actual Karen Allen. <laughs> Where's my whiskey funnel works too though? <laughs> Here's my impression of anybody talking about me. You damn fool! You're more useless than Aquaman! I just happened to be the button I pressed. <laughs> I don't know, but... I want to try that schnapps, though. That sounds like it was really really good shit. Wait, what? What That, that pair of schnapps from, from Raiders of the, of the Lost Ark that they get <laughs> fucked up on. It's my family label! <laughs> uh, hold on, give me a second. Let's start it! Let's start it. I couldn't find the button. That's okay. <laughs> You've been drinking. I have. <laughs> Going to drink more after this. Uh, Secret Empire gets you drunk. Yeah, it doesn't help me. God. Uh, what else do we have? Yeah, it's a, the the good cap meandering. Like I said, yeah, it's almost like it got bolted on at the last minute mm-hmm. when somebody said, oh, no, this can't really be Captain America. Our numbers are down. Bring back something that looks like Cap. Yeah, it's whether your idea, which the more I think about it, I kind of like that, yeah, the, the cosmic cube has taken on the original Captain America, the pre-Secret Wars Captain America's personality and is trying to impose its own will on itself. I kind of like that. Yeah. I can get my head around how that would work, but it's interesting. Well, considering Kobik's relationship with Bucky. Yes. Okay, that, there's a, okay. Yeah, I I still got to bake it a little more in my head, but I kind of like it because, yeah, the the ultimate Cap version, Mm. 
even that, if that's what they're going with, I guarantee it was bolted on afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's my theory. Take it as you will, folks of the internet. It's it's not bad. I like that a lot. And yeah, then, then there's the fucking ending. <laughs> to which I'll say spoilers in the first time in this show, uh, which I really should have said in the first 20 seconds. Spoilers! What in the fuck is would, Frank Castle doing? Would make Frank Castle work with fucking Hydra. Well, I want to go. It's the same thing that is causing the Vision and or Scarlet Witch to do so. It's Kraken or whoever their magic fuck buddy out there is, is mind wiping and making people do shit. I don't necessarily agree. Um, Unless he's all down with that this is the law and order portion of me that finds this highly appealing. The best thing I can think of is the obvious argument is because he idolizes Captain America, which we saw in the Mm. first Civil War. Right. Which even then only made a little bit of sense. And so I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's that same thing. But are we really recycling 10-year-old shock moments from fucking Mark Millar (laughs) to make Secret Empire work? But even then, uh, I picked it up this week. I'm not sure if you got to it. Did you read Deadpool 31? I have not yet. That's the issue where we see why Deadpool is working with the Avengers. And surprise... It's because Deadpool idolizes Captain America and thinks, oh, if Cap says it, it must be true. That so, makes sense. So, but yeah, to have two characters for the exact same thing that's a motivation that we saw bolted on one of the two characters 10 years ago, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Plus, in that issue, uh, more spoilers, Deadpool kills Agent Coulson because Agent Coulson, having the characterization from the movies, idolized Captain America, but he idolizing Captain America understood this isn't Captain America. Is it really Coulson, or is it an LMD? Who the fuck knows? It's a S.H.I.E.L.D. thing, so it might be an LMD. It's probably an LMD. But but yeah, that's the appropriate thing. I idolize Captain America. This isn't. This can't possibly be Captain America, so I will rebel. So if that's really the selling point, if we're going to go with, oh, yeah, the, the Punisher idolized Captain America from Civil War, mm-hmm. and it's Deadpool, you're repeating things, and they didn't make any fucking sense then. And even if it's, oh, I idolized Captain America, the Punisher's family was killed by organized crime. Yeah. Hydra is the definition of organized fucking crime. Yeah. Unless you want to argue, oh, no, they're not organized crime. They're a political organization. Oh, so then they're Nazis. Can't have it both ways, Marvel. Yeah. It's, this is the kind of circular logic that blows up robots on Star Trek. <laughs> it's, you can't have it both ways. It sure is shit not going to fool me. Does not compute. Does not compute. Yeah. Zero, zero, one, zero, one. <laughs> It's just fucking stupid and awful, and it's not explained, and <laughs> it doesn't make any fucking sense. It would be like the mafia took over America. Well, I'm right here with you. Frank Castle, <laughs> offering my services. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> this is better than the last few issues. Yes. But it's still fucking wretched. It's just awful. Mm. Yes. But it's awful with a few moments that it's at least like, all right, there's some entertainment value in my torture. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's like somebody going, doot, as they put the electrodes to your balls. <laughs> but at least, all right, you're trying to make it light and fun. Yes. <laughs> I guess. Although, we, we, speaking of things that could have also been from the Ultimate Universe, we get to see Hank Pym again. I'm tired of Hank Pym. Fuck Hank Pym. <laughs> <laughs> Hank Pym and that... 
This comes straight from Avengers Rage of Ultron, where Hank Mm -hmm. Pym finally merges with Ultron, which is a weird story that only ever made a little bit of sense to me. Right. And it just, again, it takes a character that they spent a lot of time redeeming from... Trying to rehabilitate and redeem, The slap heard around the world to turn him into a fucking villain again. Yeah. It's, why don't you just give him the lobotomy and have him, yeah, stand next to fucking the Red Skull and be like, I was wrong all along. I've watched me a lot of Fox News and I've decided Wonder Woman sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck the Alamo Draft House. (laughs) What's your new motto, Ant-Man? I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. (laughs) Yeah, I I have no excitement to see Haltron. (laughs) Hanktron. Pimtron. Alt-Pim. (laughs) Alt-Pim. <laughs> Altpim sounds like something you have implanted in your urethra to take care of yeast infections. Altpim sounds like a subreddit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got some Altpim. <laughs> yeah, this is still not good. This is better than it, it's been, but it's a uh, it's uh, it's yeah. not good. <laughs> Anything else on Secret Empire? No, nah, I think that covers it. I think it covers it. Uh, we'll never be done with Secret Empire. <laughs> There's always been Secret Empire. There will always be Secret We've Empire. We've always been at war with Secret Empire. <laughs> All right. A positive book. A positive book. One that I liked, and we liked the first issue, uh, Redneck Number 2, written by Donnie Cates, uh, art by Lissandro Etherin. What kind of parents would name their kid Etherin. that? Yep. I'm sure I fucked that up. But uh, we meant to review the first issue of this last month, uh, but there have been so many books for, frankly, me to bitch about and complain about. <laughs> I kind of fell into Matt Damon on Jimmy Kimmel territory. Ooh, sorry, we had to bump Redneck number one <laughs> so that Rob could shriek about Watchmen. <laughs> must be Tuesday. <laughs> must be. Uh, yeah, this is a it's a book on Robert Kirkman's Skybound imprint from Image. Yes, and uh, that's why I said I was going to say it's. It reminds me of Near Dark, that Catherine Bigelow movie that I know you don't like. It's all right. Uh, about a bunch of yeah rural vampires living in the modern South. Yes. Uh, I, wait, I think I saw that. Didn't I see that? Yeah, we have it on Blu-ray. Okay. Oh, no, we have it on DVD, rather. I got it when it first came out on DVD, and you and I watched it once, and you didn't like it. I've watched it once or twice since, okay. and my opinion of it's gone up. I'll have to watch it again. But it's, I'm not there, sure what would have set off my, my bozo bit. But There are certain elements from Redneck that really remind me of coming straight from that movie. You've got a, a much older vampire, again, living in the modern South, but who might date back to the Civil War earlier. There's a child vampire who has an adult mind, but mm-hmm. who's still trying to live as a child, and everybody treats him like a child. Yep. And the hook of this book is that, yeah, this little family of vampires has been living symbiotically with the people of this little Texas town for years. Decades. And, yeah. And the vampires, they raise cattle, and they live off the blood of the cattle, and then sell off the dead cows for meat at this barbecue place downtown that they also own. Right. So, yeah, they get to make a little living, and... There's a certain amount of... There's strained, but ultimately balanced relations. It's a detente. Yes. Everybody has sort of learned to live with each other, but it has the feeling of this old rural southern feud. Yes. That got buried somewhere along the line, but it's never really stopped, like a coal mine fire or a Mm -hmm. tile fire. And then, yeah, in the first issue, one of the vampires, Perry gets drunk and maybe he killed a priest. People aren't sure. 
So the people of the town kill one of the vampires, and now, yeah, we're at a point where the townspeople are full of Jesus, and the vampires are full of revenge, and everything is at a flashpoint. And this is a really fun book if you've got the right dark sense of humor. I enjoy this book immensely. (laughs) All right, so what do you want to talk about? I, I... I like the balance of they they point out that you know had this been in in years past if somebody disrespected a vampire killed one of them whatever then the entire town would pay because you were never sure entirely who did it so in order to make sure you get the one you get them all yep and it sends a, a message <laughs> don't fuck with the vampires yes but now in the modern age they know that uh, that's not necessarily tenable for a variety of reasons. So what do you do if you no longer can engender the fear that you need to in order to keep humans at bay so that you can survive? Well, it's not even what can you do to engender the fear. It's as much that as it is what can you do when you have the age and the wisdom to understand that that's not ultimately the answer. Yes, and you've found this third way that is maybe uncomfortable and maybe everybody sort of just putting up with it, but that's not tenable anymore. Yeah, so what do you do then? Yeah, and nobody's quite sure. So there's tension within the family of vampires. And there's, and- there's varying degrees of, of self-control because you've got the, the girl and you've got the older one and then in an attic there is grandpa who we've not really met. We've only had allusions to yeah and just with everything they're saying about grandpa it sort of reminds me of the grandpa in texas chainsaw massacre yeah. who oh we'll bring him out and turn him loose and it's probably not going to be good for anybody yeah <laughs> the minute you meet grandpa you you might be done yeah so <laughs> we still haven't met grandpa yet <laughs> yeah and and just some of the weird dark moments like this priest that everybody thinks that perry killed He's not dead. He's just really fucked up. Yeah, he's like tied up and these snakes that he handles because, you know, hey, the South. (laughs) And he's screaming basically like through his puffed face through these snake bites. Fuck Jesus, get me to a hospital. But everybody says, you hear him? Kill the vampires. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, the, the kid vampire I loved. I forget the kid vampire's name, but... The only one who seems to get her own way all the time, just because everybody treats her like a kid. Yeah. But just by acting like an adult, it sort of diffuses anything they tell her to do. It's her like, name's Perry. No, I thought Perry was the older one. No, it says Perry. Damn it, this is grown folks' business. Oh, okay. Room. Well, shit, I mixed up the names. Fuck. All right. Well, then Perry's the, the younger one, but it's like, yeah, go to your room. It's uh, no, I have the bloodlust. I, I should probably be down there with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it. Yeah, but yeah, it has this whole feeling of history that that we've got hundreds of years of history between the people in this town and this family that is just quickly unraveling and everybody knows it's going to go wrong. And maybe, maybe the people of the town have decided, Oh no, we finally have enough juice or shotguns or Jesus or whatever to take over. And it's just not going to go well. And it's this thing that's out of control and out of control for a lot of reasons. And it's, it's got its own momentum that's building up. And I really like it a lot. Yeah, no, it's 
I, I like, because there's, there's been sort of a, a glut of, of Southern Gothic books on the market lately, some more successful than others. I mean, you, you've got your Southern Bastards out there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I wrote down, this is Southern, Bast- Southern Bastards with vampires, bikers, and blasphemous yeah. priests <laughs> being eaten alive by rattlesnakes with a subnote, they should hire me to write taglines for yeah. comic books. But there, there are others that have been, and I'm not going to get into names because it's not needed, but there are others that, that have just tried to capitalize on it that have not been as successful. Sure. Um, this one does a great job because it, it's it's a family drama at heart. <laughs> yeah, a, a family drama of the old type of it's in this isolated area with just a few families and bad blood and Hat bad blood. fields yeah. and McCoys kind of shit. Yeah, it's the, it's less about the fact that they're vampires and more about the fact that there are just some ties that that run too deep and and there are families that have been feuding since forever. Yes. And that sometimes, no matter how smart you might be or how reasonable you might be, you just can't get around <laughs> that old that old Southern legal defense. He needed killing. Yeah. Some dudes <laughs> just need killing. Yeah. So it's this is just the second issue, but it's been a couple issues of... It's a weird simultaneous slow burn, but still things really picking up quickly. So it's you want to say it's a slow burn because there's this long history that is coming to the the forefront. Yeah, but no, it's there's this perceived murder followed by a real murder followed by we're coming to get you followed by you don't want to come get us because bad shit's going to happen. And yeah, in two issues, it's a it's at the breaking point. Yeah, and it's really really cool. Yeah, Southern Gothic vampire comics. And it gives the term bad blood a whole new meaning. Oh. Ah, ha, ha. Oh. Ah, ha. <laughs> you damn fool. You're more useless than Aquaman. Ah, fuck you. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, what's his name? Es- Estherin? What kind of parents would name their kid that? His art, and it's kind of broad and sketchy and a little bit caricaturist. It's not to the level of like Ben Templesmith, but no. it's, it's in the same ballpark. Yeah. It's a really good look for a horror book, so it, it really looks good, and the coloring on it is solid for part after yeah. dark, part daylight horror gothic story. It's Southern Bastards with Vampires and Bikers. It's <laughs> yeah. fucking awesome. It is. It's, uh, I really like this one a lot. It's it's good to have a comic where you say, oh, this is fun. This is a good... Like, not fun, big smile on my face, because, yeah, there's a lot of darkness to this. There is, and, it, and apparently it's going to ramp up. Um, I don't, You don't tend to read the, the letter pages, do you? Uh, I did on this, and I feel bad for Mr. Kate's cat, uh, yep. since we uh, have a cat. But at the same time, I love his attitude. He's like, you know, yeah, number one, he says on this, he's got scripts out to issue 13. So this is going to go on for a while as yeah. long as it sells, which yeah. is encouraging. But he's like, yeah, it gets very dark because I, I lost my cat. And he, there's a picture of his cat. And he's like, look, at this is a damn good cat. Cat's name is Autumn. Yes. But Autumn. it's but it's also, don't send me pictures of your cat. I loved a cat. Yep. And that's how I feel about our cat. Exactly. So exactly. I am sorry for your loss, Mr. Cates. I empathize. We will not send you pictures of Parker. It's okay. So yeah, th- this one is a, an unabashed recommend. It's fun. Yes. As long as you got a mean sense of humor. It helps. If you listen to the show, you'll be fine. (laughs) You'll be all right. Yes. (laughs) All right. Uh, Anything else we want to talk about? Uh, Or should we wrap it up? We should wrap it up. Uh, Because I've had three beers. I got to take a leak. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> Heyo! Thanks for sharing that with the world. Yes. Don't know where you found uh, this particular episode of this podcast, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, we certainly can get messages through there. We're really trying to do more of it. It's really been really been busy as hell. It has. So, but either way, yes, feel free to, we like getting messages from people. So we do. Like our page. Send us a, send us a message. Uh, Facebook.com slash Crisis on Infinite Midlives. You can send us, you can send us cat pictures. We'll we're we okay like cat pictures. Yes. Uh, you can also uh, reach us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. We're on Tumblr, Crisis on Infinite Midlives.tumblr.com. Uh, probably send, send us a message there because I don't think I've looked at it in six months. <laughs> but we're there. We're there. My phone might buzz. It's possible. <laughs> uh, we are on iTunes. So if you like to get your podcast through there, you can certainly subscribe to us there. And if you could give us a rating, give us a review. It helps new people find the show. Plus, we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. We are on TuneIn Radio. We're on uh, Stitcher Radio. We're on Google Play Network. We're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And you can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. I think that is everything. That's everything. All right. So this has been episode rum. I mean, 151. (laughs) What's on your mind? Rum. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 151 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlives show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening. And derp. My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future. And I have a message for you. I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) 